0: His mercy, see.
1: Father, we are in awe of who you are and all that you have done. We come today to together encounter you once again. We know that you're here. We pray that our hearts would be open to you, that you would speak into our lives individually and corporately. We pray that this time of worship would draw us toward one another, toward you. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. There's a lot of stuff in the bulletin this week, so I just want to highlight a few things. Uh, tonight, small groups, uh, or actually this week, small groups, most of the small groups start meeting again. There's a, a white insert in your bulletin with a list of those. If you're not in a group, I'd uh, love to have you join one. Uh, you can see there when they're meeting, what they're studying, and where. And uh, just feel free to, to uh, join any of the groups that you'd like. And if you want more information, there's contact uh, information there about each of the groups. Wednesday evening, uh, a regular schedule of ministries for children and adults. Uh, and our, the Boom Club, uh, which is the littlest children, we need a couple of four-year-old teachers for four-year-olds, not four-year-old teachers. but <laughs> Though I guess if that works, you know, if they're, you know, we have some brilliant kids here, I guess that would work. Uh, we need a couple of teachers for the four-year-old class. So if you'd be willing to give... Uh, Hour and a half or so on Wednesday nights. That would be awesome to work with our little children. And you can contact Emily Hoffman or just call the church office, and uh, we will uh, get you uh, connected to uh, that class. And uh, appreciate your help with that. Next Sunday morning, we again gather for worship at twenty, nine forty, and eleven. And uh, the um, other insert in your bulletin, the bright colored green one. I'm sure that's a lime green, maybe something. Um, is all about our missions convention that's coming up in a few weeks, and uh, the inside of it talks about some trips that we're going to be taking. This year's focus is on local ministries, particularly in Buffalo, uh, things that are happening in the inner city of Buffalo, and we're connecting with some of the ministries there. And there's an opportunity to go up to uh, tour some of those ministries to uh, do some volunteer work up there. And we're going to be hearing some reports about them here as well. So just take note of that. If you're interested in being a part of the trip on the 29th, uh, just uh, you can tear off the uh, form at the bottom of the insert, drop that in the offering plate, or you can drop it by the church office and uh, we'll get you connected to that. Also on the back of that is uh, just a word about the faith promise giving that we'll be collecting on our missions weekend, the the 9th, February 9th. So be in prayer about what God may be speaking to you about related to that, and you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. Uh, There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. Uh, We definitely want to pray for uh, Tammy Dunmire and her family. Uh, Her grandfather died earlier in the week, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, her grandmother then died a couple of days later. She had been ill as well. So they're having a, a combined funeral for them tomorrow up in Maine. And I know that they would appreciate our prayers as well as others who are going through uh, grief, illness, a variety of situations related to us here, as well as things around the world. And we pray for God's grace and mercy in each situation. Uh, God has blessed us immensely in so many ways. And we have the opportunity now to give back to God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Love As we pray together, if you'd like to come use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please join. Father, we come before you today giving thanks for all of your blessings, for your mercy to us, for your grace in our lives and in this world. Father, we we come today acknowledging that we wrestle with divided hearts. We talk about helping others, but so often we're more interested in ourselves than anyone else. We proclaim the need for grace and then focus so much of our energy on our own brand of justice. We talk about the need to love, and yet we are enamored with getting people to do what we want, even using others for our own ends. We ask that you would forgive us. We pray that you would help us to see that you alone are God and help us to surrender ourselves to you anew this day. Father, in light of this Sunday, when we specifically think about the sanctity of human life, we pray that you would fill us with love and compassion for all people, the born and unborn, for those who agree with us and those who do not. We pray, Father, that you will bring an end to the heinous disregard for all that you love, We pray that you would fill us with a passion and a desire for life. And that we would be people who communicate your love for life in this world. Father, on this weekend when we remember and honor Dr. King... We pray, Father, that you would continue to work in our nation and in this world to bring an end to racism and all the ways in which we segregate one another into classes. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for the subtle ways in which we look down on each other. We pray, Father, that you will fill us with the passion of love for people who may be different from us. People who may look different or think different. But all people that you love and for whom Christ has come. Father, as a people coming to this place today, we are facing all kinds of stuff some of it creates a high sense of worry in us and anxiety in us. We feel a sense of anxiety about where that diagnosis is going to lead or what that test might reveal. We're thinking today about people who are grieving a recent death. We wonder about the tenuous nature of some of our relationships. We're feeling apprehensive about the next stages of life, about where we're going and how we're going to get there, where we might be in six months or a year or five years. Father, in all of these circumstances, give us grace to trust you. We place everything in your hands And we ask for comfort and healing and hope and grace. Father, teach us anew this day and every day to see all that you give us as gifts from you. Father, deepen our realization that you are the rock of ages and that we can cling to you In confidence, for strength, and for transformation. We pray all of this, Father, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
2: Following this morning's reading, children ages 2 to 4 can be dismissed for Children's Church. Our reading for this morning is from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, or on page 1062 in your Pew Bible. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. I tell you the truth the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. "...only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father." At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, "...he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him?" But others said, "...these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon." Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord.
0: Your kindness leads us to repentance, your goodness. Draws us to your side Your mercy Calls us to be like you
1: Father, speak into our lives as we continue in worship. We ask this through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. In his um, classic small book of theology, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer's first sentence is this. The thoughts that come to our minds about God are the most important things about us. The thoughts that come to our minds about God are the most important things about us. What he means by that is that all of life, in one way or another, whether we realize it or not, is wrapped up in our view of God. Whether that view of God is positive or negative, it, it, it bears on how we live, our view of God leads to how we treat one another. Our view of God has everything to do with what motivates us in life, what our priorities are in life, our relationships in life. And, and that is true whether someone says, I believe in God and I'm a follower of Christ or I'm an atheist and I don't think God exists. Whatever comes to our minds about God is the most important thing about us. And that's why you have people who not only, on one hand, give all of their life to following God. You have people, on the other hand, who are so emotional about rejecting God. Because deep inside every one of us, in those inner places where we really live, the places where we often don't like to think about, that deep spot inside of us is yearning for our creator. And everything about how we view our creator affects how we live our lives. That's why it is so important and why we keep wrestling to figure out what is God like? What is is God like? What what, What is His character? What's His nature? Who is He? What does He expect of us? What is He asking of us? It all comes back to our view of God. Now the problem we have is that... We live with with so many false images of God. At creation, Adam and Eve had a perfect understanding of God. When God spoke, they understood exactly what God meant. But when sin entered the world, as David Seaman says, we now have we now live with damaged receptors, and and our our antenna no longer understand God perfectly. When God speaks, we misinterpret Him. When God acts, we misunderstand Him. We question God. We we don't trust God. We worry. We're anxious about God. We have all of these twisted, skewed ways of understanding God. We don't get it. And so, throughout history, we continue to live as human beings, as people who who are trying to figure out what God is like because we have this skewed image of God. And so God understanding that keeps trying to help us understand who he is. He speaks into the lives of people like Noah and Abraham and Moses Jacob. He creates a people, calls out a people for himself. So that the world might see what it looks like to be connected to God. But they don't get it either. He gives them the law so they'll understand what it means to, to follow God. And, and they keep twisting it and turning it. And so he sends prophets to try to help them understand. And they reject the prophets. And eventually, God sends Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect image of God, because He is God. And as Mike talked last week, Epiphany is the season of the year when we think about how God reveals, how God manifests Himself in the world through Jesus. And through Jesus' life and through his words, what he does and says, Jesus gives us the clearest, perfect image of who God is and what God is like and how we relate to God. And that's what this season of Epiphany, Epiphany means manifestation, that's what this season is all about. It is a revelation of the truth of who God is in Jesus. As I've been pondering Epiphany, one of the images that comes to my mind that, that I think might symbolize Epiphany is a door. Because a door is something that reveals things to us. When a door is closed, we wonder what's behind it. But once we open it, we see what's behind it. And we understand when, when doors are open, things become clear. And sometimes we encounter doors that are shut, sometimes doors that are open. But it's, I think it's an interesting metaphor for epiphany. And I also realize that we don't think a lot about doors. You know, unless, unless someone is chasing you, we don't think much about being behind a door. Unless it's really cold outside, we don't think much about how the door can keep us warm. We don't think a lot about doors. I mean, if I asked you today, how many doors are in your house? Would you know that number off the top of your head? Probably not. I counted. There are 19 doors in our house. I went around the church. There are 129 doors in our church. That one makes 130. Of course, I got to tell you, I, some of the rooms I was in, they have multiple doors around. I think I got a little confused walking around, so there might be more or less. So don't hold me to that. But doors, come. they come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. They they come in in a variety of of. Looks. They are different colors. Doors can reveal a lot to us about people, about cultures. And here are some pictures of doors that that just give you an idea, not only a variety, but also as you look at some of these doors, they're going to trigger for you probably where they may have come from. A little something about culture. Wait, those are different kinds of doors I forgot but that's just something about culture too right now you're going to think that I am uh, that I am um, enamored with the royal family because I talked about them a few weeks ago but and I'm not I don't really think about them a lot but this whole birth the birth of Prince George has there were a couple of things that really jumped out at me and if you remember back this summer when they, they were getting ready, ready for him to be born and, and uh, Kate was at the hospital, there was this door to the hospital where all the people were looking at. This door, this was the door that they were going to come out of to say the baby's been born. And the next picture shows you just a smattering of the press across the street from this door watching it. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people with press credentials looking at this door. And I was watching one of those early morning news shows, I think it was Today's Show or something, and they made the statement this is the most watched door in the world. And that just jumped out at me. This is the most watched door in the world. And as I began to ponder that and thinking about doors and epiphany and the revelation of Christ and knowing what God is like, it struck me that while on that day in that culture and for what was happening there, that might have been the most watched door in the world. But actually, Jesus should be the most watched door in the world. In Jesus, we get this revelation of who God is and what God is like. ...in a way that we had not seen otherwise. And over the course of the next few weeks... we we'll are going to be thinking about the ways in which doors help us understand what God is like... ...as we think about some biblical doors. And today we begin with John 10. And in John 10, Jesus says... ...He just healed the man who's been born blind... ...and, and He's had this encounter with the religious leaders about it. And now as chapter 10 begins, He says... He begins by saying, I'm the good shepherd. I am the shepherd of the sheep. And he talks to them about how the shepherd of the sheep, he takes care of the sheep and he watches over the sheep. And, and he's the good shepherd. And, and as he's talking to them, you almost get this sense that they have this glassy-eyed look of, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know if exactly it's, if it, why that is. I, I wonder if it's because shepherds are not exactly the highest class of people in that culture. And while there is a certain connection with shepherds in the Old Testament, certainly David, David's a shepherd. David writes in Psalm twenty-three that that we heard a few moments ago about the Lord is my shepherd. But shepherds are low class of people in society because of their job. They don't get to the temple. They don't get to the synagogue very often. They don't keep the law. They are unclean. They're crude. they, They are not looked upon positively. And Jesus says, "I'm a shepherd." Really? That's, that's the image you want to take? A shepherd? So he says, all right, I see you're not getting that. Let me try again. And he says, okay, I am, in this translation, the gate. It's actually the same word, means door. I am the door for the sheep. And I think maybe to look at him and saying, that's better? You went from being a shepherd to an inanimate object? I'm the door. I am the door for the sheep. The sheep go in and out. I'm the way. And as Jesus describes what it means for him to be the shepherd and to be the door, those metaphors sort of get mixed together. He talks about how he lays down his life for the sheep. And he does it willingly because he loves them. He says, That's why I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one you know cares about you, loves you. He loves you so much, he willingly gives his life. I think that's hard for us to grasp sometimes, even though we hear it all the time. It's hard for us to truly believe that Jesus would actually willingly give his life because he loves us. If we've been in the church a while, we get numb to that idea. But it is the core of what it means for Jesus to come. He gives his life. Not because he's forced, not because he has no other choice, but because he wants to. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life. Everybody else who says they're for you are against you. And we get so enamored with these false images and these other shepherds. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down my life for you. I'm giving everything for you. I'm sacrificing for you. Everyone else is simply out to use you. Everyone else is a thief. Everyone else is, is out to hurt you. I'm the only one who really look, is looking out for your best interests. But the thing, other thing about what Jesus says here that fascinates me is that Jesus says, I am the door to the sheep. And the sheep go in and out. And they find pasture. And he says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I come that you might have abundant life. And as sometimes as hard as it is for us to grasp that Jesus loves us so much, he's willing to give his life for us. I think it's even more difficult for us to grasp that being a part of Christ's kingdom, entering through the door that is Christ means freedom and life. I think we wrestle with that because the church has done a really bad job of communicating that. Through the years, the, truth, the church has typically given us the impression that being a follower of Jesus means your life is now restricted. Being a follower of Jesus means that, that you now have, have less freedom. And it's all about, really in a sense, it feels like bondage. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's about freedom. It's about setting you free to really live. And all of the the ways in which God says, this is bad for you, that we think of as bondage is actually simply to help us. It's an act of love for us because it leads us to harm. It leads us to pain. But we look at that and think, oh, God's just trying to restrict us. When in reality, God is trying to help us. The Christian life is freedom. Walking through the door that is Christ is freedom, not bondage. It is freedom to love. It is freedom to live. It is freedom to care. It is freedom to give ourselves away. See, we tend to think freedom is I get to do whatever I want. That's freedom. But most people who have lived their lives doing whatever they want to do end up in bondage. It's the life that says I am free to give myself away that finds true freedom. When we know we're loved by the one who willingly gives his life for us, what have we got to lose to give ourselves away? Loving other people, giving away our lives in love and sacrifice and humility and surrender just simply means that we have opened ourselves up to receive that much more of the love and the grace of Christ. And that is true life. True life is not holding on. True life is not trying to to grasp everything we can. True life is not, how can I keep everything safe so no one takes it from me? That's not life. That's bondage. True life is letting go true life is saying I, I can give everything away I can love I can care I can feel compassion because Christ has filled my life with his love and I'm free and somehow through the years the church has twisted that and has, has made that diff, a difficult concept for us to truly grasp But I think that's a lot of what Jesus is saying here, that he is the door that opens to true life, freedom. And that's why we come to this table this morning. At this table, we discover true life because we encounter Jesus. At this table, we come face to face with the one who gave his life for us willingly, simply because he loves us. At this table, we come and we eat and we drink and we experience life anew. We experience the joy of Christ and the freedom of Christ who has given his all for us. We come to this table thinking that we are looking for God and realizing that all the while God has been seeking us. We come to this table thinking we are sacrificing for God and realize God has sacrificed everything for us. And we come to this table and experience freedom. Freedom. And life and joy in Christ. What is God like? He is the one who gives life. He's the one who gives, sets us free. He's the one who who offers us joy through His Son. Heavenly Father we thank you for the coming of Christ and for the revelation Christ has given us of you. We pray that you would open our eyes to understand the life and the freedom that you have given us we pray father that as we come to eat and drink that we will experience the blessing and the joy and the grace that is ours in jesus We pray that you will pour out the abundance of your blessing on the bread and the cup that they will be to us life and joy and freedom. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intention. just means to dip in. As you're released by Rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, and eat it. And then you can return to your seat by the outside aisle. If you'd like to stay, pray at the altar rail, you're always welcome to do so. And I'd like to mention that we practice open communion at the West End Church. This might be the first time you've ever worshiped here, but if you come today with your heart open to God, with a desire to know Him and and to be in relationship with Him. And come and receive these gifts of life and joy and freedom. I also want to mention that that, uh, we have uh, gluten-free bread here and cups. If you need that, just let me know as you come forward. And if coming to the front is difficult for you, or if you simply prefer, we do have a tray of bread and cups and we're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. May God bless us, fill us with His grace and life as we receive these gifts from our gracious Heavenly Father.
0: Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prison.
2: to welcome you all to church today. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together.